Hello, everybody. Welcome to Standard Definition here on Watchers Network. I'm your host, the Big Two Everyone's Pass, Eddie V. Joining me for this episode, he is my Super Mario in this beautiful world of gaming, of a network that we are on, Mr. Corey Derrick. Hello. Yes. <laughs> and I'm of here. Course, ah, and we have our special guest carting in in a super in a, like super good way. The one, the only, Miss Stephanie. Yay! What? I'm so glad to be back. Welcome back! <laughs> Yay! We're going to talk about an amazing console. Yes, this everybody okay. is. It's going to be <laughs> a good discussion with this one, everybody. We are covering the Super Nintendo, uh, and before we get into that, uh, Corey. Yeah. Do we have any Patreon producers that we need to shout out? Oh boy, I sure hope so, Ed. Let me uh, let me tell you in just one second while I open the window because I totally forgot to do it again. Uh, so, everybody, if you want to support this show as well as the other shows on the Boss Rush Network, you can head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Boss Rush Network, where for just a dollar you get Standard Definition and After Dark two weeks early, as well as the Boss Rush Podcast and Expansion Pass one week early. But there's more. If you subscribe to the $5 tier, you become a Patreon producer. What does that mean? Well, it means you get your name shouted out on this here program. So, without further ado, our $5 Patreon producers are as follows. Quentin Jackson, Rebecca Jewell, Adriel Munger, and my wife, Sana Dierig. I want to thank all of our Patreon producers I want to thank all of our patrons, and I want to thank all of our free listeners. Remember, all of our content is free, but if you sign up for Patreon, you just get it a little bit early. Yes. Yeah. So, everybody, we are. Let's dive into the Super Nintendo. As you guys can see. Sega. The... Oh, sorry. What? I'm just get kidding. that blasphemy out of here. I'm just kidding. Shade. <laughs> the shade. Oh, this, man. <laughs> I love the Sega. Genesis. I'm just kidding. I just this this era is uh was a Sega era for me. So anyways, continue. Sorry, Ooh. I just wanted to uh, And and I'll, it was uh it was a Super Nintendo and Sega and Supergraphic sixteen era for me. The money bags. I'll explain to that about that later. <laughs> uh, the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, or SNES, commonly shortened to Super NES or Super Nintendo, is a 16-bit home video game console developed by Nintendo that was released in 1990 in Japan and South Korea, 1991 in North America, 1992 in Europe and Oceania, uh, Oceania, and 1993 in South America. In Japan, it's called the Super Famicom, in South Korea, it is called the Super Comboy and was distributed by Hyundai Electronics. Oh, Hyundai Electronics. I said Hyundai. Uh, Hyundai Electronics. The system was released in Brazil on August 30th, 1993 by Playtronic, 
Although each version is essentially the same, some forms of regional lockout prevent cartridges from one version for being used in other versions. The Super NES is Nintendo's second pro- second programmable, programmable home console following the NES. The console introduced advanced graphics and sound capabilities compared with other systems at the time. It was designed to accommodate the ongoing development of a variety of enhancement chips integrated into game cartridges to be competitive into the next generation. The Super NES received largely positive reviews and was a global success, becoming the best-selling console of the 16-bit era after launching relatively late and facing intense competition for Sega's Genesis console in North America and Europe. Overlapping the NES's 61.9 million unit sales, the Super NES remained popular well into the 32-bit area, with 49.1 million units sold worldwide by the time it was discontinued in 2003. It continues to be popular among collectors and retro gamers and new homebrew games and Nintendo's emulated re-releases such as the Virtual Console, the Super NES Classic Edition, and Nintendo Switch Online, as well as several non-console emulators which operate on a desktop computer such as SNEX 9X. Um, the Super Nintendo for America was purple and light gray. Um, the Super Famicom was gr- uh, light gray and a little bit of dark gray with yellow, blue, red, and green buttons on this controller. Uh, had a on it, so uh, they had the top L and R button and then uh, YXBA on it. Uh, yes, so um, in Japan, um, it launched at uh, on November 21st, 1990, for 25,000 uh, yen. Um, is uh, initial shipment of 300 units sold out within hours, and the resulting social disturbance led the Japanese government to ask video game manufacturers to schedule future console releases on weekends. The system release also gained the attention of the Yakuza, leading to a decision to ship the devices at night to avoid robbery. Then the Super Nintendo in America was a redesign of the Super Famicom in North America for $199, which is now equivalent to $400. It began shipping in limited quantities on August 23, 1991, with an official nationwide release date of September 9, 1991. The Super NES was released in the United Kingdom and Ireland on April 1st, 1992 for 150 GB pounds, uh, equivalent to 320 pounds in 2020. Um, for the uh, launch releases, the Super NES and Super Famicom launched with a few games, but these games were well-received in the marketplace. In Japan, only two games were initially available, Super Mario World and F-Zero. A third game, Bambuzai, was released during the launch week. In North America, Super Mario World launched as a bundle with the console. Other launch games include F-Zero, Pilot Wings, SimCity, and Gradius 3. Uh, just some quick uh, tech about it. Um, 
they uh, the audio subsystem is called the SMP, which is a dedicated single chip consisting of an 8-bit CPU and 16-bit DSP and 64KB of SRAM. It is designed and produced by Sony and is completely independent from the rest of the system. It is clocked at a normal 24.576 megahertz in both NTSC and PAL systems. It is capable of producing stereo sound composed from eight voices generated using 8-bit audio samples and various effects such as echo. Um, yeah, and uh, the one of the big things that they uh, marketed with the Super Nintendo when it first came out was the 32,768 colors uh, that the system could produce, and they normally were showing Super Mario World to show that off. Uh but yes, let's everybody. Let's get into the Super Nintendo. Uh, you know what? It I'm didn't have with... blast processing because they have Mode Seven. <laughs> uh, did, did the top of your Super Nintendo say HD graphics? No, <laughs> like the Sega Genesis. Man. Did it have a volume button on the console for some reason? For with the hand, with the hand, the slider. <laughs> yeah, my brother had the uh, the first version of the Sega Genesis when it came out. Yeah, uh, that and Michael Jackson, mm. uh, Will Walker, because mm. Austin Beast was a pack game. Yeah, uh, before they switched it to Sonic the Hedgehog, I think later on. Yeah, man, y'all sense. remember pack games and video and console systems? I do. Do we sports? Mm-hmm. Mm. My Xbox One came packaged with uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. My N sixty four came packaged with Wave Race sixty four. Ooh, <gasps> nice! I didn't get no pack in for my N sixty four. I had to buy Super Mario sixty four. Well, my mom had did for Christmas because that's when I got my eyes. Mm. Mm. Uh, nice. So, Corey, so you did not have the Super Nintendo, Ed, did you? Yes, okay. I had the Nintendo, yes. Um, I did not, just full transparency, own one, but I am familiar with the system a little bit because I had a cousin that lived with me for a couple of years, and I used to visit my other cousin every summer, and he had a Super Nintendo. So I got to play some games. I'm familiar enough to hopefully be able to talk about it, but I'm not super expert or anything. But I had a lot of fond memories Um, A lot of great quality games, and I don't want to jump too quick into it, but, like, I I like the Super Nintendo controller, too. Yeah. Very classic. It was, I think, when they jumped from two buttons to six buttons, um, and Street Fighter 2 came into play, that's when the system kind of really blew up, in a sense, because we were getting somewhat arcade graphics on Super Nintendo. So if you were getting the arcade or you were looking for a game that was getting an arcade port, mostly it was Super Nintendo until a certain game that we're going to talk about a little bit later on because uh, that one gave Genesis the sales, but we'll get to that one later. Um, but I want to ask you guys, uh, when did you first play the Super Nintendo? Um, well, for me, my fr- my friend growing up had a Super Nintendo, and we always hung out, and that was just 
the console that he had, you know, and so, I mean, even though I didn't have a Super Nintendo, I was exposed to the Super Nintendo a lot. You know, a lot of my friends had it. My cousin had one. A couple of my cousins had Super Nintendo. So, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that I never played Super Nintendo, but I'd never, like, I never got to sit down and play, like, the games that everybody loves, right? Like, for me, mm-hmm. when I would go over to my friend's house, it was Ninja Turtles and Mario Kart and, you know, maybe a little Super Mario World. And that was kind of it, you know, maybe some... Uh, what Battletoads? I think there's a Battletoads game on there somewhere. Yeah, Battletoads versus Double Dragon. Uh, Mad uh, Magical Quest featuring Mickey Mouse was another mm-hmm. favorite uh, of of mine, at least. Uh, Donkey Kong Country. So I mean, there's a lot on there that I played there, but like I never played A Link to the Past. I never played Super Metroid. I never played Earthbound. I never played you know F Zero. Any of these popular nintendo titles just never played them so uh yeah i mean but you know super nintendo was in my life it's just not at a consistent rate you know so yeah uh what about you stephanie similar so because i didn't own it i didn't get a consistent experience and i could only play it when i was near family and given the years that that it it was on the market and the games that came out I was obviously on the younger side like I was four five six (laughs) and um in part why I never had a system and why my cousins never really would let me play but kind of let me play because there was like Mortal Kombat and Killer Instinct and stuff like that and those are the games they were playing (laughs) so um yeah I I had some experience with those fighting games primarily Street Fighter 2 I pretty short isn't wasn't turtles in time on that on that system yes it was so i recall that super mario world uh a lot of street fighter and mario paint for me as well yeah so a lot of the you know probably larger more well-known titles a lot of fighting games i played way more fighting games back then than now so that was my experience yeah, my friend, he had his Super Nintendo, I think, on his birthday. And when it came to consoles, I would... Sorry about that. When it came to consoles, I would end up getting a new one for Christmas. I had to wait to Christmas to get a new console. Um, and so when uh, Turtles of Time was already out, so that year that it was out, I ended up getting my Super Nintendo for Christmas. So I had Super Mario Brothers. And then I had Turtles in Time, but soon I started to get like Link to the Past, WrestleMania. Um, I was renting games like Chrono Trigger, um, borrowing games like Secret of Mana, uh, playing NBA Jam like with my brother. We literally went to my grandma's house uh, to spend the weekend, and I brought my Super Nintendo over so we could play NBA Jam. Uh, and yeah. That's that's how I got into the submission nice. before I actually brought brought mine. Um, definitely with the Super Nintendo, uh, it had two controllers back then with it. Um, like we said, it had um, Mario Brothers uh, back then. But like the one thing I didn't know uh, was that Sony sound chip being in there um, because. 
not realizing that Nintendo asked Sony to make them the PlayStation, it was going to be called the Super Nintendo PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it was going to come out, but unfortunately, it didn't. All the plans fell. All plans fell through, and they went to is the Panasonic, I think. Yeah, they did, they did the Panasonic. They went to Panasonic for their disc-based stuff. Like, yeah, like they were at E3 ready to present the Super Nintendo PlayStation, and somewhere between the time they got there and uh, you know, it was time to present, it fell through, and Sony didn't know about it, which was like why it was such a big deal at the time, right? Like, remember. Uh, Sony, one of Sony's execs came out and said they went to the PlayStation team and said, you take this idea and you kill Nintendo. Like, they literally said, you go kill Nintendo with this. And, I mean, <laughs> you look at the sales of the PlayStation and the Nintendo 64, they kind of did. Yes. But and, you know, I think I think that was Nintendo's big mistake, though, was like, they... Nintendo very much wants to control everything, whether it's good or bad. You know, some some consoles you see it's good, some you see it's bad. But like holding on to the 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 uh, uh, cartridge format with Super Nintendo and Nintendo sixty four, using the mini discs with the with the uh, GameCube, GameCube. Uh, you know, those were all decisions that kind of hurt Nintendo in a way. But at the but at that time, uh, President Yamauchi was over Nintendo, and he was known to be a hard boss. So he was uh, he made every decision um, that Nintendo, uh, every decision that was happening with the business, he was making it. Um, and so with like because of his decisions people saw a lot of success but as kids we didn't know the business size we didn't know that Yamauchi was that kind of person mm-hmm. until Iwata came in once Iwata came in um i think people started recognizing the change and the difference of the of Nintendo's business and as much as people loved Nintendo when they found out more about Iwata it put Nintendo kind of in a more positive light. But as kids, we didn't know anything, the stuff that Yamauchi was doing. Because we weren't focused on the business. We were more focused on the games. Yeah. And, I mean, I think with the Super Nintendo, it didn't really hurt them that much, right? Because, like, look, nobody nobody was using discs yet, right? And so, like, you still Mm -hmm. had Final Fantasy 2 and 3, Chrono Trigger, Secret of Mana, Mm -hmm. uh... Oh, uh, what? Uh, all these, all these third-party games still supporting, right? You know, Konami huge on Nintendo. Uh, yeah. Capcom obviously Street Fighter Two was like a revolution for that console. Uh, so you still had a lot of third parties supporting the console, but then like when you moved from Super Nintendo to Nintendo sixty four, and I don't mean to make this all about, you know, the Nintendo sixty four and PlayStation kind of dominating, uh, but you look at that and you say, oh, well, obviously the cartridges were super expensive. The disc-based platform was super cheap. It could hold more memory. You could run an audio track alongside the video so you wouldn't have to run the same 10-second loop over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. 
because I mean, remember Nintendo Nintendo songs as catchy as they are, they're only on about a ten to twenty second loop, maybe. You know. Yeah. I mean, if you played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater on Nintendo sixty four, those songs were on thirty second loops with no words, like hardly any words. I think only Superman is is the only song that had words in it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think Nintendo kind of made a big mistake with that not moving to discs and i think a lot of that had to do with their grudge against playstation and i think them being stubborn you know and kind of forming this hatred towards playstation even to the point of ditching discs for cartridges on the nintendo 64 was very hurtful for them yeah once again yabuchi's decision I, I get it. Like you're you're a proud company. You've been you've been in the game the longest at this point, right? Like Atari's nowhere mm-hmm. to be found. Sega is kind of like a a a nice challenger, but not necessarily overtaking the mindshare, right? And then you screw over Sony, which is one of the biggest electronic companies in the world at the time, right? And you know, and it was weird because Sony was make for people who don't know. Sony was making games for Super Nintendo and for Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. And when they got into the Sega CD... Naughty Dog's first that's... game was on Super Nintendo. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, wait, well... I forget what it was called, but I know... It was like a game. volleyball game. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it was... It was actually on... They did a game on Sega Genesis. They, yeah, they, I mean, they did that too. But they had a game on Super Nintendo. Sorry. Because there was a... There was a code that you could put on the Sega Genesis version, and it turned into like a naughty game, in a sense. Oh. Uh, it was uh, no, it was Way of the Warrior. It was published by Universal Interactive Studios. It also came out on 3DO. Oh, I remember that game. Yeah. their one of their other games was. Keith the Thief, and it was uh, published by Electronic Arts. <laughs> Keith the Feet the Thief. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, um, but before we get into the games, we got to talk about the accessories. Oh, of course, we, the multi tap, the bazooka, the multi tap, the Super Scope Six, uh, the Super Game Genie. Uh, oh, gosh, Game Genie. <laughs> Yes, I actually uh, had the Super Game Genie, got that for Christmas so I could play Secret of Mana, uh, so I could cheat. And um, I I remember just using it for that game, but didn't realize if I just really grind and take my time with it, I could just play this game by itself, you know, in the, in the right way. So I, I just used it for that and then like, not really use the Game Genie for anything else. Um, I never owned a Super Scope 6, but I did own the multi-tap to play Secret of Mana hmm. uh, with my cousin. I didn't own any of the accessories. I ended up getting a Super Nintendo later. I only have like six or eight games for it, uh, but I didn't have any of the accessories. I actually, fun story, uh... I actually thought the redesign was the only version of Super Nintendo. I didn't... So, you know, I I, I actually really like the redesign better. 
uh, I think it looks way better than the original. But mm. um, yeah, I mean, when when I went over to my friend's house, like I wasn't really paying attention to what the box looked like. It was always like, oh, we're gonna play Mario Kart or we're gonna play Turtles, right? And so I never really looked at the box, I guess. And like I just don't remember that with the you know the square or the rectangle reset and power buttons. Yeah. So I just uh, thought the redesign that came with. Uh, I think it came with Mario All-Stars plus Super Mario World, which I have that cartridge downstairs, which is a super rare cartridge, I guess. Yes, it is. Uh, so um, if anybody wants to, you know, buy it off me. Just uh, kidding. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, yeah, I I think the redesigned console is actually, like, my favorite thing that ever happened to the Super Nintendo. Well, there is one more, one major one. The Super Game Boy. Ah, uh, yes, the Super Game Boy. It, it allows you to be able to play your Game Boy games in color for some of them on your Super Nintendo. Yeah, and didn't it have different color palettes based on like? Yes. So like, I know that the Game Boy Color, when you put the the like, if you were put if you put Metroid Two in, there was like a specific color palette that you could choose that made Metroid 2 run in color, like, properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure the Super Game Boy had similar things to that. Yeah, I, I remember, I, because I had Link's Awakening mm-hmm. on for, Super, for uh, the regular Game Boy, but I got the, also the DX version for Game Boy Color mm-hmm. uh, to play. And I remember playing uh, the DX version on the Super Game Boy, and it had different colors. Yeah. yeah man what a cool what a cool thing see like even back then nintendo was thinking about how can we get our <laughs> mobile games on tv <laughs> uh, super game boy though was like it was super cool it, it was super intuitive too right i mean it was just a super nintendo cartridge that you plugged a game boy cartridge into oh it's so cool yeah and uh Stephanie, did you have any of the accessories or play any of the accessories? No. So right now I'm like living vicariously through your memories. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, also, you mentioned Mario Paint, Corey. Yeah. Um, Mario Paint contained a uh, t- contained a game, and uh, it had a mouse pad, a plastic mouse pad with mm-hmm. a mouse that you could uh, click in. Uh, mm-hmm. Mario Paint allowed you to make music. Uh, you used to be able to color and design with different art. Uh, mm-hmm. Art materials. It didn't. It had a, like kind of a coloring book to it, where you would be able to uh, color stuff. It also had a mini game where you swap flies mm-hmm. uh, to it, uh, and it has probably one of the most danceable save music uh, for uh, in a video for who? game. Because for who who's dancing to the save music of Mario Paint? Ed? Dude, you cannot you cannot knock that soundtrack. So when you save the game, it goes do 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 do, and it's like a little house beat. It's like boom 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 boom. And I I was a kid, and I would love I would try to save all this so I could just hear the music and dance wow. to it. I'm a househead. Uh, Aww. Uh, so. There's also a pretty dedicated uh, music community on YouTube that only uses Mario Paint to make their music, and it's really mm-hmm. cool. Wow. Okay, I have to check that out. Yeah, and yeah. I know a lot of bigger like 
chiptune, like I think Mega Ran used to use uh, uh, Mario Paint to make yeah. mixes of music and like all these yeah. bigger kind of uh, video game inspired musicians started in the Mario Paint YouTube community, and it's really fun to listen to like all these popular pop songs. I remember like I remember one of the first ones I ever saw was party in the USA from Miley Cyrus, but it was all through Mario paint. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Meow, 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 meow. Wow. <laughs> you will hear a lot of cat sounds. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, Cause yeah. A lot of cat music too. Uh, they did star. Someone did star Wars, uh, main thing, opening yeah. thing. Uh, someone did Ariana Grande's, uh, and that's kind of how, when you look at, uh, their cardboard series for Switch, um, when Ariana Grande did her single for No Tears to Cry, using that, that was kind of almost the same way it was for uh, the music section and Mario Paint for it. So, um, but everybody, we're going to get into the. Well, there's also one more controller. I forgot there was that joystick controller. Uh, I think that was kind of almost for fighting games that you could use uh, for it. Uh, but, like, that was kind of where the main was. There were some third-party controllers, but we don't really need to talk about that <laughs> or anything. Uh, it's time, I think it's time for us to dig into the games for the system because some of the games created not only evolutions for a lot of genres, but kind of really incorporated uh, the arcade style of gaming um, and really allowed uh, one company to actually put their games on if you could not get their system. And I will talk about that uh, in a second. Uh, But kind of let's start with Super Mario World, the pack-in game. What was it about what was it about Super Mario World that you think sold you on the Super Nintendo? Uh Stephanie. Goodness. Um Can you come back to me cuz I'm just like trying <laughs> to form my thoughts cuz like all that's coming to me is nostalgia and I'm like I can't just say nostalgia for nostalgia's sake. <laughs> well I I know definitely for me is going up and instead of going left I went right. Um, and it was finding out who Yoshi was, meeting this new character. Um, and then it was just seeing how he works and he didn't hit the first green shell, spitting it out while running and hitting all of those turtles until I got that to that number one. But then you dig deeper to it, you seeing Mario finally have new superpowers. You know, he had a feather that makes him fly. And there's a level in there where you got to stay in a line uh, to collect all of these coins. So it's him flying. Um, Once again, fighting the Koopa kids, but also fighting like many bosses and getting to those lands and everything. Being on the fence, hitting it and switching to to the background to punch turtles and everything. 
it was really it, it did to some of the world. She got like a force that w- was a maze that would put you uh make you go in circles. And there were times that you had to be the level at a certain sign. Um, secret entrances, entrances, um, Chaco Mountain, you know, a mountain made out of chocolate was a level and everything. Uh, and it just had different paths on how you got through that game. Um, it also, it had, uh, the, uh, exclamation marks where when you get to it, uh, these color, certain color blocks will go into the level and you'll be able to progress. Now, if you got the yellow and green one, the yellow would give you a uh, mushroom and the green one would give you a feather to fly. You, know, you mentioned the feather, and I can start somewhere. I always thought it was the coolest thing, but maybe because I was so young, I just constantly just ended up killing myself every time I flew. I just like, I don't know, I couldn't control it. I, I did think it was very cool. Um, for me, I also like the fact that, you know, well, because of my memories, I mostly did multiplayer, and I, that's why I was very partial to Luigi, because I'd play as Luigi quite often. So, and also, like, my love for Yoshi, too, and being able to to ride Yoshi. Yes, um, special Yoshis would do uh, special things uh, when you eat different shells. Like, there was oh, one shell right. yep. that would make you fly, or I kind of make them special. Um, and then, of course, there was some the uh, ditch Yoshi gameplay where, uh, in order to get to a secret level, sometimes you would have to go underneath the goalposts, and but you needed Yoshi, and you would have to kick, jump off of them and ditch them and everything. Uh, that was uh, a heart wrenching thing, but uh, I had to make. Sometimes I had to make the sacrifice so I could progress, and I'd be like, oh, I can get Yoshi another time. Well, did you need him? Did you ever see, there's a YouTube channel called How It Should Have Ended, and they usually do, like, movies and stuff, and, and like, oh, this movie ended terribly, so this is how it should have ended, but they did a really funny Super Mario World video that was only, like, 30 seconds long, and it was, like, it was Mario, it was Mario ditching Yoshi at the last second, and, like, Mario had, like, a little tear in his eye, like, what do I do, what do I do, and then he jumps (laughs) off, and then you see... Yoshi just fall in a pit and uh, flicking Mario off while he's falling to his death. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, definitely jumping on Yoshi, it would change also the background music. So you would just be able to just walk around, hear the light, fun music, but then when you got on Yoshi, it add bongos. It add percussion to it. Um, and it'd be like, Err. and every time that happened, the soundtrack still having this melody, but just add that per, uh, percussion to it. It was really nice. Um, also, being able to have Mario run up on walls, he would run like if you hold the white button for him to run, he would run through a triangle and it would take him up in the mall. And what was cool, his animation was that he would have his hands out like he's about to fly. Uh, any more? Any? I, any more? Uh, anything else about Super Mario World? Uh, well, from yeah. a, a nerdy standpoint, you know, doing some research ahead of time and confirming everything, you know, Shigeru Miyamoto was a producer, and Koji Kondo was the the composer for Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm obviously very attached 
you know, to those people. So it's nice to kind of, you know, because when I'm, I was a kid, I just focused on trying to play with my cousins and not like, oh, who created the art and who's the mastermind behind this franchise? But it's nice to look back and be like, oh, wow. So Miyamoto was in here and Koji Kondo was there. So I love that that aspect. Yes. So, um, and it also had the secret world, uh, Star World, where you'd be able to connect uh, the lands, uh, make the star, and then go to another world. And if you beat it, you turn the turtles' uh, shells into pumpkin heads. <laughs> so uh, you can all also like change it. Now, the final battle of it, uh, Super Mario World, and you guys can play this on Switch Online if you are have subscribed to it or NSO Online. That. Uh, you fight Bowser in this like little helicopter, and he would throw out these uh robot mechanic uh turtles that you had to hit and throw up so it could hit Bowser and everything. Uh, and it was it was an interesting boss fight, uh, to have. Um, did you ever fight him, uh, Stephanie? I was never that good. And now I'm sad that that's not part of um, Nintendo Switch Online because, you know, part of me is like, oh, that part, I thought you said you can't play. Didn't you say? It's on Nintendo Switch Online. So, yeah, the game is on there. So you could play the full game on Nintendo Switch Online, including the final boss. Yeah. yeah, Okay. All right. Never mind. Yeah. Good. I can still redeem myself and live through my childhood because that's the thing about probably all these games ed you know when i was younger i i was not a good gamer i'm technically still not a good gamer <laughs> i'm lucky i i'm pretty sure i only got through like the first dozen levels and that's kind of where it ended but i would replay those same levels <laughs> yes now because it's Corey is away oh, yeah. let us get into the game and not super metro everybody the legend of zelda link to the past this game not only put link back into 2d but it almost literally changed the zelda formula in a sense because it was more open world um there was different weapons and but there was also secret side quests that if you did something and got it to the right person you were rewarded with maybe another one but then you could go and find a fairy pay some money Throwing your sword or throwing your bow or whatever, and it will upgrade. You know, uh, and then we haven't even got into the dark world. Yep. Ah, uh, Stephanie, start us off. Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. I don't know if I could do it justice. Just it, it's just so. At the time, it's just so bonkers, you know, when you find yourself in the in this different, like almost like a mirror reflection of the world, and mm-hmm. you're a pink rabbit, right? And it's yes. just like trying to figure out, you know, what's going on, and all the enemies look different, everything's all different. Um, and I think not to completely sidestep it, but I also got to play a link between worlds which is yes. a spiritual successor i don't know i kind of almost find it just like another reimagining of it and they also did a, a great job with it too and i don't know sorry i'm just like all over the place I, what i really loved about link to the past um was their level designs yes 
absolutely their level designs. So, yeah. Do you have a favorite level? Uh, of the Dark World. Uh, yeah. I think it's the third third dungeon where you gotta rescue that princess and take her to the room where the light is at, and she turns into the boss monster. Oh. I thought that was one of the best levels in that game. That was so creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was um, I'm trying to remember. Skull Skullwoods was in the dark dark world, right? Yes. So, yeah. So Skullwoods, I remember being like a favorite of mine. Just everything being kind of all maze-like and creepy and spooky. Which is funny is because you could skip half of that dungeon. What? Yes. Oh my goodness! My, I went you, my whole life not knowing this. <laughs> yeah, it, I think there's a way to, you might have to look it on YouTube. But I remember because you had to go underground, but also go topside to get to different parts of the dungeon. Uh, and so, if you were able to get through some points and not fall on the top part, you would be able to get to areas that you're not supposed to access yet, mm-hmm. uh, and you could fall down with extra keys get to it and finish that dungeon or like and get that special weapon there uh or that special item yeah it's an interesting dungeon yeah for that game turtle rock was um kind of fun for me i mean the boss was kind of you know it was okay it was like a like a turtle dinosaur with like two heads or something like that i'm trying to see three heads Uh, yeah i'm looking it up right now one of the the most frustrating bosses in that game was that little warm thing that spinning around and you have to hit the tail. And yeah, if you get knocked off, right, mm-hmm. you'd have to like go all the way back up. Oh, I'm trying to remember. And you had to redo that whole fight. Exactly. Off. Oh my goodness, it was frustrating. Um, I'm trying to recall what it looked like in the original uh, Link to the Past versus um. A link between worlds but the one in the link between worlds it looks like a hamburger worm <laughs> it looks like it, a burger. yeah and same way that it looks in link to the uh link uh link in the past mm-hmm. it does but you know and speaking just high level of it next to ocarina of time link to the past is probably the most cited like people's first and beloved mm-hmm. zelda and you know, game that got them into the franchise. Not Zelda 1, not that that's not good. Not Zelda 2, but Link to the Past. And I think that's really important to notate. Like, for me, it was Ocarina of Time, right? The only exposure I had to Link to the Past was through my cousins or me playing it after the fact. Because mm-hmm. um, technically, Ocarina of Time was really my first true, personally experienced Zelda game. But I can see the appeal to it. Um because I recall there's, it's also a little less structured than other uh, newer Zelda games that are more um, linear. Yes. You could go wherever. And I just think that just adds like a, a very fresh take on the Zelda franchise. But anyway, I'm just talking in circles. I just think it's a very important game, not just for the franchise, but definitely for the console at the time as well. Yeah. And it was kind of cool that you were able to see some areas that, it had a top part and a bottom part. And if you sometimes fell to the bottom part, you were like down a level mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, a lot of verticality for sure. Yes. And of course it has one of the saddest moments. You know what I'm talking about, Stephanie. You're going to have to remind me. I'm sorry. So it deals with 
A flute. Oh. 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 Oh, you could talk about it. I don't think I could talk about it. Oh so, my God, she just reminded me of now I'm like all, oh, sorry. <laughs> so there is a, yeah. a boy who, like, he has a flute that, you know, could traverse him to, like, different parts of the land. And there's one part where uh, you do the quest, and at the end of it, he he's on this tree stump, and he turns into, I believe he turns into wood. I think, uh, my goodness, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, because it, it hit like, dark. Yeah, because yeah, uh, um, it was somebody's son, and he yeah. ended up, and the son ended up like turning into wood and everything. And yeah, I think the, kinda, the dad was in like Kakariko or something, right? I think so. Yeah, because the animals were like moving away, or the birds and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it was, it, it's, it's been a while. Uh, me and Corey do have a uh, retro recap of that whole game. We we literally streamed the whole game, so everybody could go to Boss Rush and watch it, and that part is included. Gosh, but it was it was I think that was where the Legend of Zelda uh, and the, the Nintendo and Miyamoto was like really trying to tell a story, story in the yeah. Zelda franchise. Um, you know, it was more than just the Triforce because it was like, you know, stopping Ganon, but it was like saving these seven maidens. Yeah. But I think, well, I think Zelda being the eighth, so it had that uh, Sleeping Beauty kind of style with Zelda at the end. I think was she? Was she? Hmm. I have to now. Now I need to re- replay that game. But yeah. It was, and then it, of course it had the save feature and everything, but you know, it allowed you to capture your fairy with the net and put them in a bottle yeah. to say. Um, I think this is where you find out about get liking the uh, silver arrows before Zelda got the got mm. those arrows because you needed those arrows to defeat Ganon. Right, yeah. Um, what did you think about the the antagonist? I mean, it's still Ganon, right, in, in mm-hmm. Link to the Past, but you you have, like, that secondary bad guy, um, Ag- Aghanim. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. I think so. Aghanim, yeah. So what did you think about Aghanim? I thought he was good. Uh, uh, his his fight wasn't too hard or anything. Yeah. But you, I I definitely went, when me and Corey played it, I had all my hearts full. I had all the I had all the bottles and everything, and I filled it up with the best potions and uh and stuff. So I went and fully prepared to fight him. Um, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't too bad. I liked the concept back then. I mean, nowadays, you know, Ganon working behind a puppet, you know, can sometimes backfire. Like I see that with Zant and Twilight Princess. Um, but I think it worked really well for Link to the Past. Yes. It's still a classic among a lot of gamers, and not just the Zelda community. It was um, literally even when like Iwata passed away, that people were paying tribute to him using Zelda fan art and stuff. There was a lot of artists um, using Nintendo games to, uh, you know, memory uh, put have memory of Iwata and Link to Link to the Past was one of them. So, um, 
Yeah, go check out our retro playthrough on our YouTube channel, everybody. You, I'm going to have to check it out. When did you guys do that? Uh, a long time ago. I think before even Boss Rush even existed. Yes. Wow. See, this is the thing. I have a lot of fond memories of these games, but like, you know, Ed, as you're bringing up stuff like that, I kind of forgot about like the, the boy with the flute. And I totally forgot about the whole turning into the tree thing. You had to remind me. Now I'm like, <laughs> I need to go back and play it to have my heart broken again. Well, I... <laughs> I think, sorry, by the way, my children were still awake and my wife needed assistance. So How dare uh, you be a parent? I know, Corey. sorry. Oh, darn parenting. Uh, <laughs> but I think, I think when we, so we kind of have been talking about somehow bringing the retro game show back in a way that's meaningful and not, you know, because like, we know what we're doing now <laughs> as opposed to then and some of the episodes don't have audio some of them only the game is playing some of them only we're talking and like we it was an experimental time we'll say uh but i think when we do we need to do those games again because of that first of all but second of all i want to make sure you know people who are people who like those games are able to come on and talk about them and you know share their yes. memories and that kind of thing so and also be able to give me claps when i do good yeah that was a thing because on the switch online like you if you press the right stick on a on a two like if you guys are in the same lobby or whatever if you right click oh. the hands clap every time ed died i would clap for him <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it was funny so uh, there is an episode. I think Corey still has it up there. He's playing Super Mario Brothers 3 and you die. And the, that you episode does not exist anymore. <laughs> all you can do is just hear me howl in the background. Okay, he, it up. here's the thing, man. We were playing Mario 3. It was going to be one of our next playthroughs. And I didn't. I wasn't playing with an NES controller. And the Pro Controllers are not great for platformers and especially NES ones because the buttons are all backwards and I pressed the wrong button and I didn't jump and I fell in a pit. <laughs> the very first pit in Super Mario Brothers 3. And my soul left my body as I laughed. It's true. <laughs> I've never seen Ed laugh so hard in my life. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, let's get on to the, another third major game, uh, along with the Super Metroid. This was the game that really was able to tell a story and without using cinematics or too many words and stuff. Um, just the level design, um, the powers, and definitely one of the most memorable fights and scenes and the Super Nintendo history is definitely against Mother Brain. Um, now, I know, Corey, you didn't play it, but we did also a uh, retro playthrough of that. Stephanie, did you play Super Metroid? I did not. Um, I must have said this when Metroid Dread came out last year. That's my first Metroid game. Ah. Or not. So, and I did love Metroid Dread. So, like, you know, Someday, when I have time to tackle my backlog, you know, Metroid is a franchise that I want to go back to because I missed out on that franchise all these years. And I started with Dread. I'm like, I like this. So eventually, 
Mm-hmm. I can go back. I mean, but I heard it was really hard. But or is that just because I suck at video games? No, um, it's, it's hard. Don't okay. listen to Ed. He's good at anything 2D platforming. Do not take <laughs> well, his opinion. Well, it's hard. Is, no, Ed, it's hard. No, I'm, I'm Metroid Dread this is, is hard. Think about it. Uh, no, so you're talking about Super Metroid. I know, but they're all hard. <laughs> Difficulty so, kind of scares me. So, Corey never played it, but we uh, went through the game. We had a great discussion about it. Uh, I remember playing this game at my grandma's house on my cousin's Super Nintendo, and he had the strategy guides. Uh, and I would not... When I needed help, I would look into the strategy guide, but I beat the game before he did. So, I knew how to play it because I was going over to my grandma's house to play that game. And get through it. Uh, a Super Metroid. And I, I really can't say more. Because Stephanie. I don't want to ruin anything for you. But it is such a great game. And it's a classic. And it's, and that's why you probably will see it. Why it's number one. For greatest game of all time. You know. If it's not Tetris. Or it's not Mario 64. Or anything like that. You would definitely see Super Metroid on that okay. list. Uh, for it. Um, because it was it, it was something you know to see how they how they were able to take that series and like really make it explore uh, uh, explore uh, and the like the music and stuff like and getting the powers that's why so many people speed run that game because they they're able to break it so so easy um so that's going to be just a little bit of Super Metroid. Everybody, once again, it's on NSO, so you guys could play that. I was going to say, when did um, the term? Well, I know Metroidvania is combined with, mm-hmm. you know, Castlevania. Like, when did that term start popping up? Like, around what? Symphony of the Night, Su- I think. When Symphony of the Night was released, it was often compared to Super Metroid, and then that term just kind of I came from see. there. Okay. Well, because, so- I mean. If you uh, like Castle, the NES Castlevania is, except I think Castlevania three to an extent might have been, but like they're they aren't really like a Metroidvania. They're just like action platformers, and yeah. Metroid, Super Metroid, really took the kind of like maze idea and unlocking new areas with with items that you find and backtracking and stuff. That was really the first game that did that. Metroid two is pretty linear. Metroid 1, to an extent, is pretty linear, too. Um, I mean, there's some backtracking, but Metroid 1 is pretty linear. Okay, so it was this one, then. It was the mm-hmm. Super Metroid that it was re- referencing. Okay, because mm-hmm. I was like, I think that's what I learned, but mm-hmm. I could have been wrong. Yeah, so there's a show. there was a show uh, on the Deborah called One Up. Um uh, Wonder.com, that was with Electronic Ziff Davis and EGM. And there was a show called Retronauts. And they were talking about Metroid and Castlevania Symphony of the Night, or Super Metroid and Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And the, uh, Jeremy Parrish made that term of Metroidvania uh, to talk about those games. Uh, so that's how that term came up. And everybody just made it, turned it into a genre uh-huh. and used it. The difference is, is that Metroids don't have RPG elements where Symphony of, Symphony of the Night does. Uh-huh. You know, because you got, uh, and then 
because it's so more it's so melee based, uh, anything that's shooting would be considered more as a metric game. But anything that has melee and style under the Castlevania banner, uh, that would be like the Venga part of that genre of that description. So uh, it's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that he he ended up making the term and stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, because Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, follow in the reigns of Metroid. But it was it was Castlevania Civic the Night, like Corey said, that made it, that helped make that turn mm-hmm. and everything. So, uh, I think we should jump into some third party. I we, I would have talked about Star Fox, but I don't think you guys played enough of Star Fox. Well, I let's did. talk about Star Fox because that's that's a pretty important game for Super Nintendo because it was really the first kind of 3D we saw, right? I mean, we had Mode mm-hmm. 7 stuff, right, where we saw, like, the tracks and landscapes rotate depending on where we were going, right? Like, you think of mm-hmm. F-Zero specifically or Mario Kart specifically, uh, or even like the the uh, some effects in a link to the past, but like this was like an on rails 3D shooter, and mm-hmm. okay, maybe it ran at like 10 frames a second and it was slow, and uh, but for the time running on a Super Nintendo, that was incredibly impressive. They introduced the FX chip mm-hmm. uh, with it, yeah. Um, Correct. I think I know we played Star Fox too, but did you play the first one? I've played. I've played a little bit of the first one, not enough to like say I beat it or anything. But like, yeah, I think Star Fox sixty four is kind of like the realization of what Star Fox was because that first mission is the same. It's the same mission. You know, mm-hmm. you start out flying over the water. You kind of glide through these archways and trying to get the rings and the bombs and everything right. And so it's, it's an interesting prototype to what I think Star Fox 64 ended up becoming, but it's just an impressive feat to have something like that running on, on Super Nintendo hardware. And I know like, like you said, they had the FX chip and added hardware into the cartridge and uh, did all these crazy things to, to make it work, but it worked and uh, incredibly impressive for the mid mid nineties for sure. Yes. Uh, Especially Um, because it was still like we had, heard rumblings about the PlayStation, right? But, like, we hadn't really seen anything about the PlayStation yet. And this was really the first kind of 3D experience, and it was unique and cool and uh, worth looking at from a historical perspective, I would say. Yes. Um, Star Fox 2, however, though. Boy. That That was an interesting day on our vacation. Yeah. That video is also uh, up on our YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Stephanie, you didn't play Star Fox, correct? I haven't. My first Star Fox and my only Star Fox was Star Fox 64. But I, I did take a look at the images while you guys were talking. And I, I can see exactly what you're talking about, Corey. Like, these must be screenshots from that first level. And it's literally, like, almost like the backbone of what Corneria or level one was for mm-hmm. N64. And I don't know. I just feel like... For Nintendo, that's this seems like it was pretty. Gra- wow, I don't know if a groundbreaking is the right word, but just the foundation for an, an amazing franchise. Too bad it really didn't go 
go very far. I mean, um, it was groundbreaking. Like, that's the thing. is like somewhere between Nintendo 64 and GameCube, like, Nintendo stopped being technologically groundbreaking and started moving into their, you know, kind of what we know them for today is weird, wacky, innovative, sometimes great, sometimes not so great. Uh, you know, that's... But, like, back then, like, you know obviously uh, their big selling point for Nintendo 64 was four players and 64 bit technology, which was Mm -hmm. insane because we used to measure everything by bits. (laughs) How many bits does it have? 32, not enough. (laughs) Uh, So, which is like, you know, where the uh, Sega 32 X came from. And obviously PlayStation kind of capitalized on the 32 bit thing with PlayStation and Nintendo, had the 64-bit cartridges, which were were amazing. And even Nintendo had that RAM expansion expansion pack, right? Because that's incredibly uh, forward-thinking at the time. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, Nintendo used to be moving the technology forward until discs were introduced, and then they had to find a new way because they're afraid of round lasers i guess i don't know <laughs> well definitely um we had donkey kong country and killer instinct mm-hmm. um and killer instinct is a very interesting thing because in the arcade midway uh rare designed the game uh but midway did the publishing mm-hmm. for it along with nintendo and it was their first M-rated game uh, from a first party. Uh, which is crazy it, to think that Midway did that. Which is why, like, side tangent, which is why when, uh, uh, you know, the, the Warner Brothers is, you know, they're trying, rumor is they're trying to sell their gaming division, which is why Microsoft should totally buy Netherrealm, so they could do a Mortal Kombat versus Killer Instinct game, which would be hilariously awesome. Anyways, sorry. Continue. Uh, and that leads us also to Donkey Kong Country. Yes. Um, An impressive game rare. visually for the time. But hard as ever. Yeah, because the platforming sucked. It wasn't Mario, right? I mean, I I don't I think the thing with Donkey Kong Country is that it was super visually impressive, right? They used the mm-hmm. 3D models and kind of layered 3D backgrounds on top of each other to give you that illusion of 3D, even though they're just layered 2D uh, images. But uh, And they used the 3D models of Donkey Kong and kind of... It's similar to what Mortal Kombat did, right? With their real people images that they used to create their... Uh, fighters and it was super impressive but the controls especially for Donkey Kong were not great I still think Donkey Kong Country 2 is probably the best one Uh, I think Dixie is probably the best playing character out of all of them Uh, but yeah Donkey Kong Country is something I remember it was it that was the game that made me question if I wanted a, a Nintendo 64 or buy my own Super Nintendo was Donkey Kong Country. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Because, well, it because it looks so good, you know? And, like, 
I knew Nintendo 64s were going to be hard to find. Super Nintendo had all these great games, and it was super cheap at the time. I think I think the summer before Nintendo 64 came out, Super Nintendo was like a hundred bucks, or mm-hmm. like a hundred and twenty yeah. bucks packed in with Mario, with all the Mario games. And uh, Toys R Us was running a deal where you got Donkey Kong Country and Super Mario All Stars plus Super Mario World, like six games for for 120 with the console was incredible yes so uh did you play any of them stephanie like killer instinct it, uh, i mean i saw um my cousin again i always reference my cousin playing donkey kong country but for whatever reason i never played that but killer instinct oh yeah i really got into that i was always trying to prove myself to, to beat them um a lot of the creatures kind of frightened me but I've always played as Orchid. Yeah. And um, I I struggled learning the combos just because of so infrequently I played it. Once I like got used to a combo, the next time I see them next summer, I'm like, crap, I need to like, you know, practice with it again. So it's like a baton, button mashing awesomeness. And obviously my parents didn't know or else they would not let me play that game. Because now that I think about it, I'm like, mm, at my age, maybe I didn't need to play it, but good memories with killer instinct and yeah it, that's the other thing i liked about it, it gave me those ar- arcade vibes like mm-hmm. they brought the arcade home yeah yes yeah that was that was definitely uh um street fighter for me right like my I, not that i played a lot of street fighter in the arcades but my friends i had i had street fighter for genesis and my friend had it for super nintendo and it was definitely something that we kind of fought over quite literally sometimes because the super nintendo version that he had didn't let you select the same character right like because he had world warriors mm-hmm. that's the first one mm-hmm. it did genesis got championship it was edition. the first fist fight i ever got in was over that game <gasps> what yeah what yeah one of my best friends growing up and like we fought over over street fighter because we couldn't be the same character <laughs> And I wanted, well, I wanted to be Blanca and he wanted to be Blanca. And we, it was, yeah, it was, we got in a fist fight in my, uh, and he brought, he brought his Super Nintendo over to my house to play. And we got in a fist fight and he ended up taking his Super Nintendo and walked home. Uh, Wow. Yeah. I didn't have that problem because guess what? I wanted to play as Chun Li, and at that time, they're like all the boys, like oh, I'm not playing as a girl character. But of course, she's like one of the best characters nowadays. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. but you know, back then when we're all juvenile, they're like, oh, you're a girl, so you'll play as a girl. I'm like, good, because I think she's badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely when Street Fighter Two Turbo came out for Super Nintendo, because mm-hmm. Genesis got the Championship Edition. That's what uh, I had. It was the Championship Edition. Yes. Um, came in a so, green box. I mean, this is what I, that this is. I love the franchise so much. That's what I got that jacket, that bomber jacket, Street Fighter Two. Yeah. That's yes. Cool. Are we are we excited for Street Fighter Six while we're talking about Street Fighter? <sighs> so we discussed this all. Did I did I see that correctly? That it's an open world game. For it some has reason? some open world bits between mm. fights. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. You know, I, I, Stephanie knows how I feel about Ryu and Shelly. Love them. The two new guys look like 
final some characters from Final Fight that I missed out on. Like, what are these characters' designs? Uh, I saw them reveal. Uh, I saw them reveal Ryu, and I almost texted the writers chat. So I'm gonna get Ed some some tissues because he's drooling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryu is daddy. Like he is, he is my main outside of Akuma. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, that's Street Fighter. Well, we can get into some third party games because definitely, I know Corey, you want to talk about this one. So let's get out the way. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm. Turtles Inside. Yes. That was the leading game from oh. Konami. Yeah, I mean, that was that was the game. You know, I, I've i probably beaten that game. I, Not even kidding. Played through that game all the way with my friend probably at least 300 times. The game is awesome. And uh, the fact that you could, like, you could change it from cartoon to comic mode and it changed yes. all the turtles into their like correct kind of shades right where donatello was brown and michelangelo was teal and like they like they were they, it was awesome and then uh you know obviously the lesser kind of known hyperstone heist was the game that i that i had but it was essentially the same thing on genesis right where yes uh, it was just man those games are so iconic i mean not just Turtles in Time, but even even uh, Turtles Tournament Fighter at the time too. It was like those yes. games were so uh, awesome, and just how big the turtles were at the time. And those games were unmatched in terms of brawlers. I would argue. I mean, there there might have been some that were up to you know the same level, but nothing surpassed Ninja Turtles. Don't- during the 16 bit, if we ever adding Genesis to the conversation, it was Turtles in Time and Streets of Rage 2. Uh, there was never a battle of which one was the best. Those two were the top tier best mm-hmm. games in fighting. Even though Final Fight was out, Final Fight went through some revisions from the arcade. Yeah. Um, because you they took out Poison and they put a guy to uh because they didn't kind of didn't believe in being up on women even though you had street fighter (laughs) so um uh and and that whole narrative uh but i mean even going 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 back to turtles real quick like the bosses were so good like even the baxter stockman fight at the in the first area was awesome like Mm -hmm. uh you know leatherhead in the sewer rat king uh, right. you know, yep. like, uh, Krang, like in both forms, uh, sh- super shredder, the stupid elevator level that everybody hated, but you know, mm-hmm. we all had to sit through, uh, the, when you had to go fight slash, when you went, I, I went back in time, the pirate ship where you fought bebop and rocksteady, which <sighs> slash is a different, wasn't in the original game. I know. I, and like when they released turtles in time, reshelled on xbox 360 i got super excited and it was the arcade version which is the rare occasion where the console version is better than the arcade version i would argue yeah because they had like some slime boss yeah it was, I it was remember it was uh i want to say clayface but that's a batman villain it was like yeah. uh the it was it was the turtles version of clayface where he could kind of morph into whatever right yeah 
Uh, oh, also, like, the surfing levels, like, when you're surfing through the sewer, when you, right before you fight Rat King, the yellow aliens, the pizza aliens. Yes. Uh, the kind of futuristic world, which really showed off the Mode 7, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so, like, every single level in that game is iconic and just so fun and then obviously when you get to go to fight shredder like first he's in that machine and he you know you kind of got to dodge like these laser things that he's shooting at you and then you fight super shredder it was awesome it was so it was that game is just so it, i it needed was... help beating super shredder <laughs> oh shit i wasn't uh, able to fight him with man. ease yeah i mean by i mean at that point we were playing me and my friend would play on the hardest difficulty with like three lives and play through without con- any continues. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah. If, if the, the thing that made that game was being able to throw the foot clan foot soldiers yeah. into the TV, out mm-hmm. into the TV screen. Yep. And you use that mo you use that gameplay to beat shredder. Yeah. <laughs> in and, the machine. and what's cool is like, they are implementing that into the new game, the new game, the uh, shredders revenge. Shredder's revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is cool because when you do them, you can like hit them like a foot, like all that you tackling mm-hmm. and throw them. Uh, you can throw them like with the, your foot, or you had the animation of like swinging them around and throwing mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Uh, also, they confirmed that the Cowabunga collection on Switch, you will be able to use the Genesis and the Super Nintendo controllers to play those games. So that's awesome. I am beyond excited to be playing that. Yes. Um, so that is uh, Ninja Turtles. Um, another one, of course, is Chrono Trigger. And that was really with not just the time jumping mechanic, but it was being able to end the game wherever you wanted to, uh, to get a, su- a sudden ending. But the big thing was New Game Plus. Hmm. Um, and that helped. Uh, yeah, wasn't that the first game that ever had it? Or like new game plus one of the first uh, yeah. games that ever had new game plus yes um because uh in a lot of rpgs you couldn't carry over all your information all that grinding and hours that you spent you couldn't carry over if you started a new game um but because it had so many endings and everything you were able to start that game as powerful as you wanted to be and can still continue to uh to do it to go up um secret of mana was a game planned for the uh nintendo playstation um when plans got changed squaresoft had to strip everything and put it onto a cart so that's why when you hear the music in that game uh it has a different sound than everything else it has a clearer sound with the Mm -hmm. music soundtrack is because they had they were somehow able to convert the music from the CD that they was gonna put on to the cartridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and that's why there are some. They were supposed to ha- also have cutscenes in it. So when you get to certain rooms that is blocked off that you can't go through, a cutscene was supposed to happen for it. Well, and then they ended up putting those in the PlayStation version of Chrono Trigger, right? And it was uh, not great. Like it, the the remake, I think. Yeah. Well, it wasn't I a remake. So. They just added all the cutscenes and put the digi- digitized audio in it and made it sound better. And 
put the cutscenes in, but like I guess the loading times were obnoxious and like it didn't mm-hmm. play as well as the Super Nintendo version. Like, you know, and, and a lot of people were really mad when that game got ported to PlayStation because of that reason. Yeah, I think, and that's why that collection of Mana came out, and that's uh-huh. why Switch never got it. Uh-huh. Uh, or I think it's only on PlayStation 4 and PC. That game never came anywhere else. What, the collection? The no, the re, the remake of Secret of Mana. Oh, yeah, because version. I think they announced it for Switch and it never came because we got the Trials of Mana instead. Um, yeah. Yeah, because so. I guess that Secret of Mana remake was pretty decent. Yeah, it was. Um, of course, Final Fantasy 3. For some people, Final Fantasy 6. That was a big RPG uh, mm-hmm. on the Super Nintendo. Um, Act Razor was another one. Ooh, because Act Razor. It it, it makes Sim and uh, that music. Oh, that music is so good for ActRaiser. I, I remember playing ActRaiser. It was uh, it was a unique game of like like you said, like a Sim. It was like a God Sim where mm-hmm. you had to like protect this village and kind of build it up or whatever. And then like after each segment of building, you went through, and it was a side-scrolling action platformer. <laughs> yes. I just um, I can hear the sword hitting stuff in my head like that shink shink yes uh that's not I remember really Al- made, but it's I remember Aladdin on Super Nintendo by Capcom uh I still think it's better than the Genesis version but I'm going to say reason I say that is because I never played the Genesis version of Aladdin see I, I only played the Genesis version I never played the Super Nintendo version and see, I didn't know that version did it because mm-hmm. I just know that Capcom had it. I was, but Capcom wasn't a part. I think when it came out, Capcom wasn't a part of the Sega Genesis. Yeah, like no, I think uh, I mean those were made by Virgin Interactive, right? So, uh, like for all this for, for Genesis, it was Capcom yeah, that's did what I'm saying. Aladdin for Super Nintendo. That's what I'm saying. All the Disney games were made by Virgin because you had the Lion King game, oh, yeah. Jungle Book. Uh, 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 Aladdin, Toy Story for Sega Genesis was interesting. Uh, Castle Illusion was made by Sega, though. Yeah, yeah. But that Great was game. based on a license, like license movie or something like that. No, I mean no. it's just Mickey Mouse. But uh, the, I mean, so you want to talk about a cool Mickey Mouse game on Super Nintendo, though? Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse was incredible. Like the whole. In each world, you kind of had to find a costume, and you use that costume's abilities to kind of solve puzzles and get through different areas of the level. But then, mm-hmm. as you progressed and got new costumes, like there were secrets that you could unlock using the old costumes from the other levels. It was really, really cool. And they made a version of it for Game Boy Advance where you could play as Minnie as well. And Minnie had different costumes, and they added levels and stuff. It was really cool. Aw, I wish mm-hmm. I played that. And, like, I just, I remember the first level where, like, you would find these t- uh, tomatoes, and, like, when you picked them, they, like, snapped off and became little helicopters that, like, flew you up. It was really weird. Oh. oh. <laughs> well, the nice. first level was based on, on uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, the Mickey and the Beanstalk cartoon. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, you uh, got, a, like, a fire, a, a fireman costume. 
There was yeah. the weird Peter Pan looking costume that I never really understood what it did. There are a lot of cool costumes in that game. Yeah. You uh, know all the cool Disney games. I know, because that's what that's I lived Disney. on for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Konami had Tiny Toons and Batman Returns on Super Nintendo. Uh, those those games were good. Uh, of course, Capcom had Mega Man X, which was fantastic. Now, I must say, Hold on, SNK. hold on. Bef- before you continue, Ed, I just, before you continue, I just looked up, because I was trying to look up the costumes for the Mickey game, mm-hmm. I just found out that there are not one, not two, but three magical quests starring Mickey Mouse. What? And, and all of them are for Game Boy Advance. Oh my gosh, I just had a revelation. Imagine what? if that came out on NSO. Oh my gosh. Capcom is the uh, developer. Okay. I mean, it's not that far of a stretch. They released that Disney uh, collection, right? The they had the Disney Afternoon collection, and then they had the uh, the movie Lion King, Aladdin, Jungle Book collection. That was good. Oh. Okay. Maybe. Anyways, continue. Sorry, I just I got real, I got super excited for thirty year old games. Uh, SNK uh, with their Neo Geo games. Um, if people didn't know that uh, Neo Geo was a six hundred dollar machine that were able to do uh, arcade like literally arcade perfect graphics. The thing is, the cartridges were two hundred dollars uh, per cartridge. So, some of their games like Fatal Fury and Samurai Showdown came to the Super Nintendo. Uh, but the thing about it is, like, if you look at Samurai Showdown, they didn't have the zoom-in feature that's in the Neo Geo version. Uh, everything is far back for it. But a lot of their fighters were on Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. Uh, so, Every people could you guys go check that out. Now it's time to have the discussion of one of the most controversial games on the system. Is it dun 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 dun, dun. drum roll? Mortal Kombat. Mm. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Earthbound. Oh <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay, Mortal Kombat. Okay, it was controversial because. Yeah. Of the violence and the fat- and the fatalities. Yes. yes. So when uh, it came to Super Nintendo, uh, when you hit them, you didn't see blood. You got sweat. But to have the sweat turn into blood, you needed the uh, super uh, the gauging for it in order to do it. Whereas Genesis, all you had to do was put in a code, and you were able to do the blood and fatalities. Now, after the Night Trap stuff happened and the ESRB came into play, Mortal Kombat 2 came out. And it was mature on both systems because the N-rated series and rating was on it. And it blew Sega away. Mortal Kombat 2 on Super Nintendo was the game for fighters that everybody was playing. 
Like it, and it really put acclaim in Midway in a good spot. Like acclaim made so much money, and Midway made so much money from it that everybody who was playing Mortal Kombat Two were playing on the Super Nintendo. The only reason why it was controversy was because they thought that kids will, will become murderers because the full version, of the uncensored version, was on Super Nintendo or on Sega Genesis. But none of that like really happened or anything. Now, of course, we had games like uh, Power Rangers that came on, mm. which was a beat 'em up mm-hmm. uh, stuff. But then we also had games like Rama Half, which was a fighting game from an anime. Uh, we had the Adams Family by Ocean. You know, we kind of had like these B and C tier games that was kind of cool, uh, but like completely forgotten. What about you're forgetting some pretty important games, Ed? Well, it, of course, NBA Jam I mentioned that was a big one. Uh, Zombie Ate My Neighbors was big yes. for some people. Yeah. Uh, Ghoul Patrol was oof, the sequel. <laughs> to, uh, uh, you forgot Arrow the Acrobat. Didn't nobody play Arrow the Acrobat. I did. <laughs> Arrow the Acrobat what? was cool. My Sunsoft. I don't sure. Maybe. You forgot about you fun. forgot about Jurassic Park, which was far superior <laughs> on Genesis. So <laughs> uh I remember playing Bubsy Oh jeez, on... yeah, Bubsy. That that gem. Yeah, I beat it at my cousin's house. Uh Stephanie, if you haven't heard of Bubsy, look it up. You would be like, what the word? It was a cat mascot. Yeah. Uh, huh, okay. Yes. Um, there was also the 7-Up gang where you played that spot. Mm-hmm. Cool spot. Um, cool spot, yes. Um, Shaq Fu. Yeah, um, Shaq Fu. That, game, that game's not racist at all. <laughs> Neither is the new one at all. Michael <laughs> uh, uh, Jordan in the can we, can we talk about... Can we talk about Shaq Fu, the new one, real quick, just for like five seconds? Go ahead. You know how I knew that game was going to be bad? When in the first like five seconds of the game, when there's like the uh, still images of the cutscene and Shaq's like talking to his master and then they show his master and it's like literally a caricature of like uh, what you would think of a Chinese Kung Fu master. He had like... The really long white beard and the really long mustache. mustache. But they also had like the the hats, like the tr- the you know like the round, Straw yeah, and like these really long robes with dr- like drag like a dragon on them. But then also like the accent he was using was not necessarily uh, hmm, I don't know. It was it was hmm, that game. That game was not popular enough for every outlet in the world to write about, I guess, but it was pretty. <laughs> hmm. Shaq's yes. cool, though. Um, man, there was a theme park by EA where you could make your own theme park and have orange roller coasters. That game wasn't good at all. What game? Wait, what um, game? Theme park by EA. Theme park came to Super Nintendo? Yep. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yep. Uh, uh, 
the Ninja Gaiden collection was there where they port literally ported the 8-bit version of those games but put like a Super Nintendo soundtrack filter. So the graphics and the sound and the soundtrack don't match at all. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anyways. Uh, Stephanie, is there any games that I mentioned that you play? Out of all of that, ironically, was Mortal Kombat. Um, but again, my cousins, older boys, I wanted to fit in. I definitely saw lots and lots and lots of blood. And those fatalities gave me nightmares. But I, I sucked it up. I'm like, I want to mm. I wanna play him. And I got so mad because my cousins would not tell me the combinations of those fatalities. And they kept killing me. And I got so mm. mad. Mm. Chopping me in half, throwing me on an icicle. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario, Super Mario RPG. I'm going to skip because I I couldn't beat that game because of that stupid. We're octopus. gonna skip it because Ed didn't beat it. We're just gonna skip it. Oh. All these obscure Japanese games Ed played, but not what? Mario, Super Mario RPG. RPG? <laughs> that was Nintendo Square. I know. I'm just messing with you, Ed. Oh. So. Uh. So, yeah, so, I mean, Super Nintendo. It's an impressive catalog. Yeah. Like, an mm-hmm. impressive library, for sure. We we do have to start consider ranking this thing now, though. And yes. Let's see. Right, can can someone remind I'm, me what the current ranking I'm looking, is? I'm looking it up right now. So, Game Boy, is, Game Boy is number one, NES is number two. Yeah. Okay. Because you, Stephanie, and you, Corey ranked it better than NES. So that outfit yeah. my vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think objectively, I think the Super Nintendo at this point is the better, is the best console. Yes. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you look at Super Mario World, you look at Zelda, you look at, I mean, so many, I think the games that made these franchises iconic are all Started the Super here. Nintendo games, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah, Zelda 1 was iconic because it was, like, an open-world kind of fantasy game. But then you think about Link to the Past and what it did about story and graphics and the weapons and dungeons and, and the light and dark world. And then, obviously, you moved to Super, Super Metroid and Mario World. Like, you know, I mean, I know Mario kind of became more iconic with Mario 3, uh, but Super Mario World is, like... Well, yeah, Corey, like I was saying, I think you'd stepped out. Like, when you're talking about Zelda, real quick, like, you're going to get two answers when someone says, what was your first and favorite Zelda game? And we're talking about kind of our generation. It's either Ocarina of Time or Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, I mean, yes. even <laughs> you look at the pantheon of Zelda games now, and you, you might still get that answer from people. <laughs> I mean... Remember the other day, I t- I texted you and Laron and said I just heard a bunch of kids talking about Ocarina of Time on Nintendo Switch. I'm like, that man, made my heart kids. feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah, man, that was so funny. Like I'm like, oh man, I was there once, like 20 years ago, and you kids weren't even <laughs> thought of. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I I I mean. I, th- I feel like it might be pretty unanimous here. Super Nintendo is number one. Oh, no. Yeah. But it's point. only going to get, yeah, it's it's going to get more and more difficult. And it's funny because it I feel bad because NES is now number three. Um, but I feel like when as we're ranking all these systems, I mean, mm-hmm. even being on the lower of the list, it's still a pretty damn good system. 
Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. The NES won't stay in last place for long. <laughs> we got to talk about the Virtual Boy at some point. <laughs> uh, that would be like a 10-minute... That's an expression pass. Mm. Cause... That's, that's the only Nintendo console I don't own is a Virtual Boy. Yeah, same. I never owned or played a Virtual Boy. I owned one, and then I sold it because... Uh, I made some dumb decisions when I was younger and I had to start getting rid of stuff and that was like the one thing I didn't care about. And now it costs a fortune. <laughs> yes. Well, so. it should be an interesting debate when we get to the Wii U. Because someone loves well, the Wii U so best much. Best console. <laughs> Sales say otherwise. Hmm. Well, it's, uh, it's you look, only... the 13 million people that bought a Wii U were right. Okay. <laughs> It's going. To, it's only going to get interesting because it's going to be a battle between Wii U versus GameCube. No, I think it's going to be a battle between. I think Switch is going to be in that conversation. No, Switch is not in that conversation. Really? Okay. You're the worst. Mm-hmm. You're fired. <laughs> you are fired. Fired, fired to be rehired. Like the no. Next Stephanie, you're promoted. To, what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Know. I cannot. Take up that title. No way. Uh, you just got to act wild and crazy and eat and weird every food. every single game. Nah. Mm. <laughs> Head, we're going to have words later. Oh, Can't boy. believe you said that. Shocked. Why? Shocked. Why? Anyways, our definitive ranking right now. Uh, NES, number three. Game Boy, number two. Super Nintendo, number one. We will see how long it sits at that spot, although I don't think it's going to take very long for that to shuffle its way down the list. Mm-hmm. We have Game Boy Events, we have DS, and the N64. Yeah. All three of which are, I think are better than the Super Nintendo spoilers, I guess. Um, mm, that's the debatable yep. one. And we're going to debate them on the next episode because we do not have time to do it now. <laughs> yes. So with that, everybody, Stephanie, go ahead and plug. Yeah, um, everyone can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Klimov, K-L-I-M-O-V underscore author. I am on Boss Rush podcast Wednesday nights, and I'm a regular on After Dark, as well as Standard Definition um, for the Disney uh, episodes. Corey, where can we find you? You can find me hosting the Boss Rush podcast. Uh, You can find me on Nintendo Power Block. You can find me right here on Standard Definition. You can find me on After Dark and... There's something else I'm on. You're on everything. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. Besides Crossroads. Uh, I'm there sometimes. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Yeah. That's where you can find me. And you guys can find me on Twitter at ThatRetroCo and Instagram at ThatRetroCo. You can check me out on Nintendo Podblock and Expression Pass and other podcasts uh, around the world. <laughs> uh, just look me up. You'll be able to find me. With that, everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time on Standard Definition. Our next one, everybody, get ready. We are jumping to the Game Boy events. Already? Yes. Oh, I thought we were going to do Nintendo 64 next. Okay. No, events came first before N64. Hmm, that's not what? true. What? Nah. No. Nah. No, I gotta look this up now. Yeah, Game Boy Advance. Please hold. <laughs> like, hold on. Yeah. Please. My realities. No, it was released in Japan on March in March of two thousand one. Sixty four came out in nineteen ninety six. 
I thought the physical snacks. Probably because I'm thinking that, that this system has so many Super Nintendo games and was like a mini Super Nintendo that I went to events. Let's see. Uh, yeah, Game Boy Advance came out on March 21st, 2001 in Japan well, and June 11th, 2001 in North America. Well, I guess everybody, we are going to the Super, uh, the N64, Nintendo 64. No, that's going to be where I'm going to shine. Yeah, that's going to be it. That's going to be an episode where I think we can all talk a lot. You may be surprised. But with that, everybody, we will see you next time. Oh, Stephanie, you don't have to be on that episode then, Ed. Okay? Stephanie, I'll be like, 64. I will. I'll be there. Trust me, I played a lot. I know. Oh, that was well. Yeah, that was my f- first. Well, not kind of Game Boys. Like, for, yeah, it's my first console. My first real in, like, I got some real memories. Like for Super Nintendo, like I said, like I played other people's games. This is this was my first console. I got to talk about how I got it. I get to talk. Okay, I got. I better stop. <laughs> <laughs> we're there, we're that, we're, <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Edition. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>